Greetings, educators, and welcome to The Wellness Space, a weekly podcast specifically designed to meet the social, emotional, and mental health needs of educators. I am your host, Erica Dotson-Hooper, manager of the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education in Houston, Texas. Each Friday, a new episode will be shared that promises to inform, inspire, and empower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to the wellness space. This is Erica Dodson Hooper. I am so glad that you tuned in today for this important conversation about making connections, innovative ways to reach students virtually with my good friend, Trenise Brown Warrens, who is simply amazing. This conversation was so invigorating for me and I hope that it is for you as well. But before we get started, let's take a moment and step over into the teacher's lounge. Close the door, get comfortable, and take a moment just to breathe. You have now entered the teacher's lounge. It has been a rocky few months, and I know that many are just now starting to get some footing with instruction. We're having to think outside the box and do things that we've never done before. We've scrapped plans, started again, scrapped plans again, and then regrouped and came up with a new idea. I want to encourage you not to give up and not to be faint of heart because there is a reward at the end of this journey. There is a bright side that you will see, not one that I could explain fully now because I don't know how it will all unfold, but I know that every difficult thing that we go through will ultimately work out for our good. Either we learn something, we grow, we change, we mature. We find out new things about ourselves when we are tried. And so as you go through this difficult time, I want to encourage you to add as much as you can to your self-care toolkit as possible. And in the meantime, begin to look outside of yourself and reach out to others who are in the profession and create your own professional learning group where you can learn from one another, share ideas and best practices. Don't try to go at it alone. This work is too difficult. And some of the challenges that we face have never been seen before. But the power of the collective cannot be understated during this time. So I hope that if you have found some success in some area of the work, that you will be gracious enough to share it with a colleague. And if you have seen some challenges, that you will be vulnerable enough to ask for support from those who can. Don't ever be afraid to advocate for yourself and speak up for others who may be struggling. The only way we're going to make it through this time is if we do it together, hand in hand, committed to looking out for one another. And so as we learn to better navigate this virtual space, it's important for us to be intentional about seeing one another and hearing one another because we don't always have the benefit of being in person. We need to be keenly aware of body cues and personalities, something that you can only become aware of after building authentic relationships with those you work with. So kudos to you for staying in 
and continuing to keep the faith while working diligently to ensure students get the best education possible. And now, let me introduce to some and present to others our guest for today. Trinice Brown Warrens is from Sacramento, California. Her passion for students receiving quality and rigorous instruction has been her spark to think outside the box. She has a mindset that students have voices that need to be heard, should have a say and choice throughout the learning process. She is a firm believer of allowing students to make connections to the content by infusing their culture, ideas, and swag. Students are encouraged to see value in their skill set by creating projects and speaking their truths. She is student tested and student approved. And now, let's welcome Trinice Brown Warrens to the wellness space. Greetings, Trinice, and welcome to the wellness space. Hey, how's it going? It is going well, and I'm so excited to have you with us today. But before we get started, I want to ask first, how are you doing and how are you caring for yourself during this time? I am phenomenal. Mm. Um, during this time, I'm caring for myself by remembering my self-worth mm -hmm. and understanding the value that I possess and that I've come a long way from being the little girl that was scared and couldn't make decisions to the grown woman who understands um, that I've, I've learned a lot of tools, I've gained mm -hmm. a lot of knowledge, and I am capable of making powerful decisions. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many of us that can't do that on, you know, under normal circumstances. And right. to know that you have come to such a powerful place during a global pandemic is amazing and so um, I celebrate with you for where you are and the growth Thank that you. you've had so happy for you so I invited you today to talk about making connections innovative ways to reach students virtually it's an area that I feel is so important for us to dive into because as I speak to teachers um, and principals even everyone is on the edge and yeah. also trying to figure out how am I going to survive? How I'm going to live? Mm -hmm. Is this what I need to be doing? How do I press forward? And so I think that if we could provide some, you know, inspiration and some suggestions that maybe this may help somebody along their journey um, in the field of education. So before we delve into that, I want you just to tell us, what brought you to the field of education? Oh, you know, it's amazing when people ask me this question because my answer is one of, I never wanted to get into education. <laughs> um, I never saw myself being a teacher. I have a baby sister, Regina, and she like used to play school. Mm -hmm. She knew she wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And now she's a high school teacher living out her dream. And then there was me. And I was like, mm -mm, that is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really wanted to be a school counselor. That's mm -hmm. really what I wanted to do at the high school level. I mm -hmm. wanted to be that person to teach young kids not to do the same things I did. I'm in a ton yeah. of student loan debt simply because I was first generation. I had no idea what I was doing mm -hmm. and I wanted to prevent that from happening, but still opening the door for educational success. Yeah. So I moved to the great state of Texas. Um, I got my master's degree and then I realized 
you have to become a teacher if I want to achieve my goal. So mm-hmm. I swallowed it and I was like, my goal is bigger than the sacrifice that I thought I had to make. And yeah. so I went through the program and that's how I got into education. Go figure. I don't even want to be a school counselor anymore. And I fell <laughs> in love with the classroom. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of folks that I speak to have the same reaction when I ask that question. Almost no one <laughs> that I've spoken to uh, over right. these past two seasons plans to go into education. Mm-hmm. It's like education takes them up as opposed sure to did. them taking education up. Um, and once they sure get did. into the profession, they find a love in it, whether it's working with students or just teaching itself. It's Mm -hmm. always amazing to see how the transformation occurs differently in everyone. Right. And so when you began teaching, what were some of the the challenges you experienced or even maybe some of the surprises? So my challenge became my surprise, which then became my success. Mm -hmm. Um, So my first year of teaching, um, it was a culture shock for me. So I'm yeah. from California and I mm-hmm. went to the best of the best schools. My mom made it that a point. Yeah. And so there were certain things that were natural for me. Mm-hmm. And when I started at my first middle school, it was a culture shock because the things that I found to be normal were things that didn't just happen. Yeah. And so I brought a totally different vibe to the campus. And that was one of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I naturally shook things up. Um, yeah. And I just said, well, this is best for kids. Like, this is boring or this is not good. Mm-hmm. And I decided to do something different. So I challenged the status quo, not knowing I was challenging the status quo because mm-hmm. I didn't even have the academic language. I mm-hmm. just knew this isn't working. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the class and I said, if I'm not engaged and I'm the teacher, how can my students be engaged? Yeah. And I taught history. So Mm -hmm. I was already up against a lot. People naturally think history is boring. And I think it's the greatest thing in the world because it tells a story. Yeah. (laughs) History is a story. Mm -hmm. And there's many lessons that you can learn from it, no matter what color of skin the people are that is in the narrative. Mm -hmm. There is always something to learn. You either learn what not to do or you learn how to be successful. You understand how adversity transform people. You come to Mm -hmm. understand people on a different level. So I love it. But I was faced with kids that thought it was the most boring thing in the world that they had no idea why they had to learn it. Mm -hmm. And now here you are with a PowerPoint. And it just wasn't working (laughs) out for me. It it just didn't work. (laughs) I never when I was in school, my teachers didn't use PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. We always had to engage, we had to ask questions. Now I'm learning this is inquiry based learning. Go yes, yes. Um, we had a lot of projects um, where I was from. We didn't take tests. So I didn't even know what a star test was. I didn't mm-hmm. understand they had to take a test. Mm-hmm. All of our things had to do projects. So I was a project based learning kid before project based learning became a phenomenon. Yeah. So I was like, we need to do projects like we need to ask questions and dive in. And I was way ahead of my time, mm-hmm. way ahead mm-hmm. of my time. And so I'll never forget Uh, My first day of teaching, my first period, everything was great. Everything was great until seventh period. And I Mm. found myself thinking, these people say education is hard. (laughs) I don't even know what they're talking about. (laughs) And then I got to the last period of the day. And, you know, normally it's first period where you're like rocky. You don't know. Last period, you have so much confidence. You're just like, oh, this is easy. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I didn't know 
was my last period of the day. I should have known when it only said 15 kids. I should have known that there was going to be something more in this. Last period of my day only had 15 kids. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a breeze. I just came from 35 and 30. Like, 15 is going to be nothing. Well, all me and my energy, we got started. My icebreaker was going. And I was like, okay, time to do it. And everyone just stared at me. And I was like, what just happened? Well, I come to find out that these 15 students in my room were English learners. Mm. And only two of them understood anything that I said. (laughs) No one informed me that this was going to happen. And I was faced with my biggest challenge. How do I teach students and we do not speak the same language? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't have the skill set. I really don't know what I'm doing. And I had no idea that this is what I was going to be engaged with. Mm-hmm. And so it was a challenge, mm-hmm. um, but it was one that made me say everybody deserves rigorous and quality instruction. And it taught me to go out and fight for what I believed was right yeah. and to ask questions. I was always the person in the meeting asking questions. And my questions were very strategic to how do I ensure that the students in my class get it? And there was a lot of people saying, oh, well, they don't count because they're only first year. I didn't know what that meant. So to me, that didn't mean anything because I have a child in my room that is looking at me like, I don't know what to do, but Mm -hmm. I can see the hunger of I want to do it. Yeah. So I became the queen of stick figures. (laughs) Everything was a stick figure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I learned that our universal language was music. Now, oh. I was blown away because these kids wanted to listen to Nelly and Kelly Dilemma. And I'm like, <laughs> what do y'all know about some Nelly and Kelly? Like, in 2015, what y'all yeah. know about this? Well, they came over and I guess whoever they were engaged with liked old school music. To us, you know, to these kids, it's old school music. To me, this is the music I grew up with. Right. So right. they were like, Miss, can we listen? And I'm like, okay, there's no way I'm going to get away with allowing them to listen to music without having a purpose. So yeah. my mom, my mom is a uh, big on purpose. Like uh-huh. girl, she would make us stop the music and say, well, what did they just say? Like, if you didn't know what they said, she asking you, why are you singing this song? Yeah. And so yeah. there was, had to be purpose. There had to be intention. And so I looked at what the lyrics were saying and I'm like, wait, these are two people fighting over a dilemma. Mm-hmm this is history. Mm-hmm. They're telling the same story, just like in the American revolution. Yeah. There's two people fighting. So then it turned into when we're listening to this song and we're looking at the American revolution, who would Nelly be? Would he be the colonist or would he be King George? Mm-hmm. Who would Kelly be? And what's the dilemma that they're having? Because mm-hmm. the dilemma that they're having in the song is they love each other, but they can't be together. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. the dilemma that they're having in the American revolution? When you look at that and you ask that basic question, that becomes the causes of the American Revolution. Yeah. So I had students that were able to tell me about the causes of the American Revolution that led to a big fight Mm -hmm. all by using music. Mm -hmm. So music became my success. Mm -hmm. And so I found different ways to integrate music. And then I opened the door for them to bring in their music. And so they started listening to songs and was like, Miss, when I heard this song, it made me think about this connections were being made through a universal language of music yeah 
That's so powerful um, because I'm sure you were probably the only person thinking outside of the box in that way to make those yeah. connections. How did yeah. you influence other teachers who served that group of students? Um, I didn't. I don't. I think I indirectly did. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no one else that really did what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I really felt like Noah. I've always felt like the Noah of education. Hey, y'all, <laughs> we might need to try this. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all. And then the flood comes and everyone's like, we should have listened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I directly impacted the kids. And so they had a different level of expectation for the classroom. Yeah. And so they would tell teachers, well, Miss Brown did. And Miss Brown said, and I was just like, oh, gosh, um, y'all are making it hard for me in meetings. <laughs> um, but they understood what they deserved. Yeah. And they understood, like, if Miss Brown can do this, mm-hmm. how come no one else can? And kids started thanking me for teaching them. Yeah. And I didn't understand until they got comfortable telling me that not everybody was doing this. Mm-hmm. Not everybody cared. They would just give them a worksheet and say, go sit over there. Or they would forget they were even in the classroom. And I created a classroom experience where they were the center point. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to my mom. My mom, I credit my mom for a lot because when she had me at 17, she said her life stopped. She said, this has, this no longer is about me. This is about you. Yeah. And so there's four of us. And my mom had that expectation for all four of us. So that's my sense of normal. At some point you have to say, I made a decision. I've gotten to where I'm going to go. This has nothing to do with me. And that has everything to do with the students that are sitting in my room. And then I had nieces about the same age. And I had to ask myself, would I want my nieces in this classroom? Because I'm going to fight for them. And so as hard as I'm going to fight for them to have the best, I had to be willing to fight for myself to make sure that I was giving those students the best because it's not about me. Education is not about us. It's about the students, which is why we become the influencers of knowledge, not the sole producer of knowledge. It's their job to produce the knowledge. And we just have to provide the opportunities for them to do it. Absolutely. I think you raised such a very interesting um, issue is us creating that opportunity for them to Mm -hmm. display their best work. And like considering the times that we're in, so you have that amazing framing of having a wonderful education and a mom who pushed you. And so Mm -hmm. there are a lot of students who don't have that. Um, And we're in a global pandemic. So considering the times that we're in, how, how would you suggest that teachers approach the work? I think it starts with our perspective. Mm-hmm. So in education, I've always heard educators, uh, administrators, district personnel say education needs a change. It needs a facelift. Well, now we're in it. And what are we going to do differently? And so we cannot keep saying we want change and things need to change and keep doing the same things. That's the very definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. So we have to reimagine and redesign what education is going to look like through the lens of the students. So now the tables have turned. Mm -hmm. For so many years, we've told students that they had to act a certain way in the classroom. Like, this is what you do in the classroom. This is what you do in the academic setting. Well, now we're in their world. Have we taken the time to even learn what their rules are in their world? Mm -hmm. Because we are now dispensing knowledge through a mode that they use for entertainment. My two-year-old 
knows how to get on YouTube. Yeah. And her attention span is about five seconds, which is the average attention span. And if you are not getting her attention, she knows how to swipe to the next video. And that is what our kids do. If you don't grab their attention, they're swiping to the next video. This explains why certain teachers get more students showing up and certain teachers do not. Because kids have this idea of, if I'm not entertained, I'm swiping. And they have the power to do that because they're in a virtual setting. In the classroom, if they got up and walked out because it was not what they wanted, they were getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't even have to listen anymore. You don't know if they're listening or if they're not. They could be on, their video could be on and you have no idea if they're there. Right. Because they've learned the game. So the question is, have we learned what it's going to take to be successful in their world? We're not playing their game, but we also want them to be educated. Yeah. So it's all about our perspective. Yeah. And what are we willing to learn? So with that, how do you think that teachers uh, can make like authentic connections with the students virtually? Um, the same way we made them in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't force something that's not you. Mm-hmm. And now more than ever, we have to understand that as educators, we are not the sole dispenser of knowledge. Yeah. We need to turn our teacher-centered focus into a student-centered focus. Mm-hmm. We can't sit up there and lecture for 15, 20 minutes and think kids are still going to be listening. Yeah. If you look at any tutorials, kids are learning how to apply makeup on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My niece learned how to play the guitar on YouTube. Mm-hmm. How are they able to do that? Well, you have to look at how are these people speaking to them? They're connecting with them, showing them this is something you can do. We're going to take these hard steps and we're going to break them down piece by piece. And we're going to embed time for you to practice it as you learn it. Are we doing that in the classroom? Are we providing that opportunity for us to give knowledge let students grapple with it. Because the one thing that kids do is they grapple with knowledge. They grapple with struggle. Watch any kid play a video game and lose. They might throw the controller, <laughs> but guess what they're going to do? They're going to come Try right again. back and pick it up. Yeah. And they're going to keep picking it up. They're going to yell. They're going to do whatever. They're going to go get a snack. But best believe they are not letting it go until they pass that level. Why? Because it has engaged them in a way where they understand Oh my gosh. Okay. So I went down the wrong pathway. If I go down this pathway, I can do it. They're getting feedback from the video game. Mm-hmm. Are teachers giving their students feedback when they make a mistake or are they just brushing it underneath the door? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can still give quality feedback. We can, we need to redefine how we're even giving our lessons. It needs to be inquiry based. Give them something to inquire about. Yes. What are they having to go out and seek? Mm -hmm. If you're giving them everything, what's the point of me having to be here? Mm -hmm. They're tuning us out the same way they did in the classroom, except for now they have the power to walk away or log Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Why do you think teachers are having such a hard time with this? Uh, The struggle has been real with with teachers. Fear. Fear. Um, It's the same thing in the classroom when you ask the teacher to let the kids turn and talk Mm -hmm. or to work in small groups. Mm -hmm. The fear that I'm allowing, I'm letting go of control. Mm -hmm. And that is because we don't see the expectations that need to be set. Mm -hmm. So there is expectations that can be set. There are talking points that can be given. Mm -hmm. There are sentence stems that can be given to allow students to be successful. 
But if we do not let go of a fear that we have, we'll never get to the other side of success. And I think this all hinges on fear. Mm -hmm. And it's the fear of the unknown, like the what if, but we're in it. Yeah. Like it's not changing. So at what point do we realize you're fighting a battle that's not going to change based on this fight? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's now the time to look at how can this be better? And I mean, it, it really just goes back to the power of life is in the tongue, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And how we speak about a situation, it impacts how we see the situation, which then impacts how we produce in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm seeing we're speaking on fear. Every conversation you have with people is always about what's not happening, what can't be done. And there's very rare um, that you do hear conversations where that's being challenged. And we're looking at the great things. I know teachers that are making great connections like the virtual world has transformed their whole teaching experience yeah because they've embraced the unknown mm -hmm. they said look i might not know it but i'm gonna go learn it and i'm gonna go learn the one thing i can be good at i'm not gonna go learn the 15 things and also i think sometimes you know the district and the admin play a huge role. yeah everybody gets caught up in the new buzzword mm -hmm. and so then now you it's a new plc with a new thing they want you to learn and a new thing they want you to implement but yet we haven't even implemented this the old thing yet yeah right so you have to allow people to have success in at least one thing before implementing something new mm -hmm. because then it becomes overwhelming mm -hmm. and then you feel less than because oh such and such is doing this but i haven't even gotten to this yet and so then, oh, this person's juggling five and I can't even juggle one. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to embracing what you're good at and making that work for you and your students. Mm -hmm. Every buzzword is not for you. Mm -hmm. When teachers are given new mandates and it happens all mm -hmm. the time, um, all the time, definitely they feel overwhelmed and they may have the conversation amongst themselves, but mm -hmm. rarely do they push back. Right. Because as you said, fear. But what are mm -hmm. some ways that they could advocate for themselves? Because if they're able to do it successfully, they will be able to have greater impact in the classroom. So I would say it's something that I had to learn less emotion and more data mm -hmm. and data, not just being numbers, but data in terms of um, this is what my students have been successful in doing. Mm -hmm. This is where they are in their comfort level. Mm -hmm. And then. I want to do this for a certain amount of time. And then I want to transition to this because this is the natural progression that it needs to be made. Mm -hmm. But if you go into any conversation only with emotion, you're being discredited. No one wants to hear you complain. So if you go in with a problem and you all, and you already have a solution mm -hmm. and then you pose the question of what do you think, or what more can you help me with? Then now you're, um, creating an atmosphere for a collaborative conversation. Mm -hmm. But if you only come in with a problem and you're expecting someone else to solve it, then there's no more collaboration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where the conversation stops. So recognizing that you have the power of your classroom. It's just like back in the day, if they, if somebody says something you did not like in the hallway, you nod and say, oh, okay, and close the door and say, all right, back to our schedule routine. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what we do, right? That's yeah. one thing I missed about the classroom is I could not just close the door and say, oh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now watch what I, watch what me and my kids can do. Now it's on display. Everybody's walking in and out of these virtual rooms. And, you know, if you can't speak to it, then it becomes a problem. But having the confidence to say, 
I know my students. Mm -hmm. And that's where the connection comes back to. Do you know your students? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you know about Mm -hmm. them? More than what the piece of paper says. More than what their behavior before the pandemic said about them. What do you know about them in the virtual world? Have you taken the time to get to know them? Have you taken the time to consider what they like? I am a big uh, proponent of, and I've been challenging my sister to ask her students for feedback. Mm -hmm. What did you think about that activity? Mm -hmm. So just recently she did a digital escape room with her AP students Mm -hmm. and she was really nervous, but she wanted to shake up how they looked at the syllabus. So in California, they're doing nine weeks and then you get a new group of kids, nine weeks, and then you flip back to the first group of kids you had and then you flip to the next. So now she's on her second group of nine weeks and she just got tired of the same way of presenting the syllabus yeah. is boring. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, let's do a digital escape room. And so that's how the kids learned what's in the syllabus. Guess what? These kids now know their expectation because it's in a game. Yeah. And so then afterwards, she asked them, what did you think? And so they were like, this was a lot of fun. Somebody said this was too easy. But that feedback that she got, it's valuable for because the students understand they have a voice. Mm-hmm. And then they understood, wow, we actually have a choice on what's going to happen next. Because my sister told them, well, since I got so much positive, you know, review, we'll do this again. And thanks to Mark, the questions will be a little bit more challenging. And thanks to, you know, Maria, I'll add this. And now the kids feel validated because their voice matters and it's impacting what happens next. Now they're going to be engaged and they're going to want to do this digital escape room. Yeah, It might be on an expository text. You never know. So it's a matter of what are you willing to try and how open are you to your students' feedback? Mm. Because if you're not open to their feedback, then they're not going to keep showing up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like us. If you tell somebody you don't like something, they continuously do it the same way. That relationship is over. Mm-hmm. And that trust has now been broken because you're not listening. Absolutely. And I think that is something that a lot of teachers feel, especially when it comes to the leaders that they serve under. What are some suggestions um, for leaders? What are some supports that they could put in place to better support teachers as they navigate things? One, remember, every buzz and every new thing might not be for your campus. Mm -hmm. Before sharing it, Take the time to analyze what it is. Mm -hmm. Take the time to use it first. Maybe you want to use it in a PLC. Maybe you want to use it in a staff meeting first. Mm -hmm. Give your teachers a taste. So when I was an admin, I did what I call digital app tasting. Mm -hmm. So on Fridays, I would have teachers learn about an app and they would come in and tell us about it and we would digitally taste it. Is this something that we like? And before you threw it out, because it might be something that's challenging, you really had to analyze, do you not like this app because you don't like it? Or do you think this is not going to benefit your students? Mm -hmm. Because now we are no longer looking at what's good for you, what's good for your students. And so test out things before making it a mandate. Because some of these things that they're forcing teachers to use, they don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so then when that teacher comes to you and asks you a question, you don't have any answers. And so now you just broke that trust with your teachers. Like I, I like when people teach me something new and I can go back to them and say, hey, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh no, you have to do it this way. Or, hey, check this out. I like things like that because then it shows the teacher 
that them and their admin are on one accord and they can go to their admin for struggle and they can go to their admin for success. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also tell admin, engage in the process with the student. Mm -hmm. One of those things that I love doing when I was an admin is when my teachers were trying something new, um, they would call me to their classrooms and I would do it with the kids. I remember last year I did a broadcast because the teacher, the science teacher wanted to do a broadcast. They were talking about um, weather. Mm -hmm. And so I went in there and I did one and I told, you know, I did a whole video talking about I'm live from Sacramento, California. So people knew where I was from. And I had the kids teach me how to read the weather. And so then I would give my broadcast. Kids were excited every time I come by the classroom because they knew I was going to engage in the process with them. The band teacher, she was the queen of Flipgrid. Mm -hmm. When I tell you the queen of Flipgrid. So she would say, hey, guys, I'm doing a lip sync battle. Girl, I was in my living room with my chain on (laughs) and I engaged in a lip sync battle. I got so many views that even Flipgrid themselves reached out to me on Twitter and told me how great I was for doing what I was doing. But those are the things that admin need to remember that those things actually are stress relievers for you. We get so tied up in paperwork and what the district says and what we have to do. When was the last time you had fun with your teachers and students? Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And you're absolutely right, especially now, you know, there are so many things that are pressing and weighing down on leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, If they can find some joy in the work, I know that it will probably really help to enhance the culture. You know, whenever you can Mm -hmm. get a smile or a laugh or just a release, it's so important to do that. And as a leader, you have to kind of model and facilitate that so that teachers will know, hey, it's okay for me to do the same with my students. Right. Absolutely. It's a culture like everybody's going to be engaged in the work. Everybody is going to, you know, fail. If a kid can see you make yourself look silly. Now they're not going to be too shy to do it because they're going to say, if she can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. Now you mentioned app tasting. I love that idea. Do you Mm -hmm. have any virtual tools that you can recommend for teachers uh, to navigate this time with ease with their students? I love Flipgrid. Mm -hmm. Flipgrid is amazing. I like Flipgrid because there's so many things you can do. Um, You can make it public to where everybody in the classroom can see the videos. And then you can also make them private so that the students are only speaking to you as the teacher. The teacher is the only one that can see the mm-hmm. video. There's so much collaboration that can happen. I'm actually a really big fan of feedback. So imagine that student that um, is in your classroom and they're giving you their perspective on something or they're trying to use the academic language and they're hearing you say it as the teacher. Now they're understanding what it's supposed to sound like. And then they can go back and re-record. I think that this is going to be a great way to enhance speaking. Mm -hmm. Just in all platforms. I'm a big fan of Flipgrid. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a website called Flippity. Mm. And this website has different board games that you can just use to recreate in your classroom. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm going to talk about my sister, but she did bingo for one of her lessons. Mm -hmm. And so as the students were listening to her five to ten five to seven minute lecture they were listening for the key points so it taught the students a couple of things one how to actively listen and two how to pick out information that was important yeah because it was on the bingo card Mm -hmm. and so when they got bingo then she had them explain what each piece on the board was and so now they are telling you what they've learned they're synthesizing their learning so this website has a lot of different 
uh, documents that you can recreate to fit your classroom. And that's what it's all about, reimagining and redesigning what you're already doing. I think people see apps and they think, oh, I have to stop doing what I'm doing. No, it's just transforming it in a way that is um, student centered. You want to get away from you are being the whole dispenser of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Google. Uh, Google Slides is great, especially for collaboration, getting students to work on a document all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really big on creating activities where students have to drag and drop information mm-hmm. instead of just giving them a document with all the information on there. Now they have to move pieces around and make it work. Um, anytime you can use Google Forms to make a digital escape room, that, that's always great. I think those, I see, here's me trying to minimize what I tell because once you say something, everybody thinks they have to do everything. Yeah. But again, the it goes back to what is the intent of the activity? Mm-hmm. What, how is this activity going to drive the rigor and the teak? And I think that's the one thing we miss out on too, is we think activities water down the mm-hmm. rigor. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. The activities provide your students with choice. Oh, one more. Slides mania. Oh, my goodness. This lady is amazing. <laughs> Make sure you buy her a cup of coffee. Um, she has digital notebooks that are already made. She has uh, choice boards that are already made. All you have to do is recreate it. And on her site, there's a place for you to send her coffee just to say thank you because everything on her site is free. Oh, awesome. Free. So, yeah, but anyways, going back to this, um, it is looking at, we have to keep in mind the teak. Mm -hmm. The teak drives the rigor, the activity unlocks the creativity Mm. for the student. So just because they did it in a game does not mean they did not analyze. And I think that's where we get a, a misconception. The, the analyzation really came in them creating. That's the highest level of bloom. Yeah. Yeah. So giving the students an opportunity to create is the highest level of blooms, which you can't talk about education without talking about mm-hmm. blooms, just like you cannot talk about SEL without talking about math. Mm-hmm. But we forget those things and we discredit what students are able to do. But if that student is able to create, you have to think about what all went into that student's mind. And if it's not on the level of the teak, you have to go back and look at your direction. Yeah. Because it might not be the student. It might be your direction. So true. It might be your must-haves. Are your must-haves and are your directions aligned to the mm-hmm. teak? Because if this teak is asking them to analyze and your must-haves is only having them identify, was it the student's fault or was it yours? Accountability. So right. So right. So, Trinice, I just want to thank you for mm-hmm. taking the time today to share with our audience on how to make connections and to reach their students virtually. Do you have any final words for our audience before you go? Remember that you are amazing. Mm -hmm. Take the time to breathe and remember that this is about your students. And remember to connect with them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how they're liking this experience. And then move from there. The only thing you can do is impact and influence the people that are in front of you. And the kids that are in your room right now or the kids that are watching you on the computer, they deserve more of your attention and more of your energy than the ones that are not there. Yes. But still reach out to those that are not there. But remember that these students are in your classroom for a reason and they came for something. And are you giving them what they came for? Because their culture is swipe if it's not there. 
and you don't want to be swiped on. You want to be that person that they continuously plug into and come back for more. Yes. Finger snaps three times over. <laughs> Thank you, Trinice. And I wish you much success You're as you continue to move forward. Thank you so much, Erica. And that's it for this episode of The Wellness Space. Thank you so much for joining us today. Feel free to follow us on the web at www.hcde-texas.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at HCDE underscore TLC. That's the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education. And follow me and let me know how you enjoyed today's episode on Twitter at Erica DH. That's Erica, E-R-R-I-C-A-D-H. Until next time, be well.